We good? Yeah. Cool. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode two of the Good for Michigan podcast. Hope you're all doing well. I'm coming to you from Little Space Studio in downtown Grand Rapids. So, here we are in the month of March. So much is already changing again as spring starts to peak its head. The snow is melting away, the birds are chirping, and the sun has been shining nice and bright. And we've been pretty busy over here, over at Good for Michigan. All right, I've got a few things for you today. I have Alice Jasper, our program director, coming in to talk more on what we've been up to during this past month. And I have a spicy interview with Jim Justice and Ian Kennedy from CalSec Inc., a spice company based in Kalamazoo. It's not actually spicy, but it's pretty gosh dang interesting, so stick around. With me today, I've got Alice Jasper, the Good for Michigan program director. Alice, how you doing? I'm doing well, Emmanuel. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for hopping in. So you've been quite busy over these past few weeks, and you've been talking with folks from seemingly every corner of the state. You want to fill us in on what you've been up to? For sure, yeah. So Good for Michigan works with businesses uh, all over uh, the state of Michigan, and We've been fortunate enough to build some really uh, awesome partnerships with business leaders and community stakeholders in areas like Detroit, Petoskey, Charlevoix, the Upper Peninsula, uh, specifically the Marquette area, but not exclusively to the Marquette area, and working with them to really create some place-based approaches to how our program can support their communities sustainability initiatives can you expand a little more on these partnerships like what do the what do these partnerships look like absolutely we try to create tailored approaches based on the communities that we're working with and that's why these partnerships and collaborations are so valuable because they help to inform the needs of each respective community so the ways that Detroit might be prioritizing or approaching its cities and its business communities sustainability initiatives is going to look different than it does here in West Michigan or in Marquette or in Lansing. So working with people who are part of that community who can help to inform ways that we can support them as opposed to us just coming in and saying this is this is the thing, um, which won't be wouldn't be as effective. Uh, It helps us to know what the needs and the goals are for each of those communities and how to best approach and kind of fit our programs and resources of Good for Michigan around uh, the needs of those businesses. So we host things like cohorts where we work with business community leaders. Uh, We're working with some great folks out of Petoskey. Uh, Shout out to Bear Creek Farm. Uh, They are Michigan's first B Corp certified farm and they do a lot of really great advocacy and business leadership in their community. So working with folks like them out of these different cities and smaller towns to help do our cohort model, which is to kind of pull in a handful of businesses, usually five to 10 businesses at a time. We sit down and and share with them what our program's about, the benefits of 
incorporating social and environmental sustainability practices into their business operations. And then we support them through each step of engaging in sustainability. So the first step of taking the SDG baseline assessment, for example, and starting to benchmark uh, and measure their individual business sustainability impacts. We also do follow-up consultations with each individual business and provide them with a uh, sustainability and impact report to highlight not just where there are opportunities for improvement, but also to highlight some of the things that they're already doing well and, and be surprised at how often companies don't even realize how how much better they're doing than maybe other businesses in their in their industry or size or sector. So really helping them to celebrate and also to create some goals with them. And then within those cohort models, we also work with all of those businesses collectively and say, you know, how do we do kind of a consultation with this group of businesses and say, what are your your goals as a business community? Are you trying to work towards having greener infrastructure or recycling program? Are you trying to make sure that your downtown shopping district is more inclusive and accessible for folks? So we can kind of help to target some of those broader goals um, through those the assessments that each business takes and help inform a tailored approach for the individual business as well as a tailored approach for that business community. Um, so those are that's a lot of how our cohort models operate. Um, we also do things that we loosely term hackathons where we have a number of businesses come in and collectively take the assessment while we offer real-time support uh, so we can answer any questions. Uh, if some questions are, you know, they can be very jargony in the sustainable development goals, uh, helping to kind of walk folks through that. Uh, we can also kind of help them to understand how specific questions might relate to their business model or, or their industry or size. So sort of playing translator in a way and trying to remove some of those barriers for businesses to just get started and to start benchmarking where they're at. We also do more broad education uh, and presentations just to familiarize business communities with what we do and how we can support their sustainability goals. Next week, for example, on the 25th, we're going to be partnering with the Southeast Sustainable Business Forum to do just that, to do an overview of what our, pro our program can provide, the resources that we have available, and then help some of those business leaders that will be attending the, this virtual workshop to assess the ways that our resources can support their goals and their needs moving forward. And then we can maybe talk about things like hackathons or cohorts, but this is really just an opportunity for people to learn and engage with the, the tools and resources we have to measure sustainability, uh, as well as you know, for some folks, helping them to understand the, the value proposition of incorporating sustainable practices, why it helps companies be more resilient uh, and more successful, and some of the data that we've seen that demonstrates that using business as a force for good is, is doing good business. So helping to kind of share that narrative based on where folks are in their understanding or in their sustainability journey, we really work to meet people where they're at. In addition to our webinar next week, we just got back from a really awesome trip in the Upper Peninsula. We went up to Marquette and were able to talk to a number of business owners and business community leaders and stakeholders in the Marquette community about creating one of these cohort models and possibly you know, integrating 
the academic community so that students can get some real-time um, experience in supporting businesses as they implement their respective sustainability practices that help them meet their goals. So there's a number of really cool opportunities there, and um, we're really excited for, for all, the, all the dope things to come. So definitely stay tuned as some of these cohorts start to kind of churn out these collective impacts of business um, business communities that are participating. We're, we're really excited to, to see all the great things that folks are going to be doing around the state. That's so cool. That's so cool to hear. It's cool hearing it from like a top level view because we're in the day to day. And so it's nice hearing it all laid out and hearing what we're doing. It's pretty cool, even though I know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> For sure. So you were up in the UP. It's gosh dang beautiful up there. Did you do? Did you get to see anything up there, or do anything else while you were up there? Yeah, we. I was fortunate enough to kind of have a two-part trip, and part of that was doing this really exciting sustainability work, which is exciting for me anyway. Um, and then the following weekend, I helped to convene some folks, some by POC folks from Detroit and Grand Rapids, um, for an ice climbing trip at Pictured Rocks. So. Right after we were done with uh, taking some meetings and we were up there, some socially distanced meetings, but um, it was kind of nice to, six feet or not, it was nice to have some in-person touch points with folks. Um, right after that, we went to Pictured Rocks and uh, stayed there for the weekend and learned how to go ice climbing uh, and just kind of got to build some really awesome, joyful community of uh, by POC folks that are really taking leadership in the state around building inclusivity and how BIPOC people um, build their relationships to nature, which I think also can really translate to the Good for Michigan work as we're hoping, you know, we want to remove the barriers and create accessibility for all business owners to be able to implement sustainable practices and and to have the resources to be good ancestors themselves, whether that be in their day-to-day activities or how they run their business. Um, trying to lower those barriers and create um, more opportunities in, in building those relationships moving forward. So. We love to see it. Love to see it. Love to hear it. Love to be a part of it. Cool. Well, I love to do it, so that works out for me. So you mentioned uh, the Southeast Sustainable Business Forum. What else is left for the Good for Michigan program for the rest of this month? Yeah, so on the 23rd, calling all B- Michigan B Corps, we are hoping to work collaboratively with us during a sort of think tank session that we'll be hosting at 9 a.m. to talk through ways that we can sync up our communications and building the B Corp awareness and education uh, and helping people understand the value of the B Corp assessment and certification process and what that means from a consumer standpoint, from a business standpoint, um, really just wanting to kind of you know, with all of our powers combined, uh, be able to have a, a um, more in sync message of what B Corp is and what that means, how the value that B Corp certification and businesses that are doing good, what that brings to the state of Michigan and how that helps to create a people first economy. Well said. Thanks for hopping on. It's been a pleasure talking with you, even though I do it every day almost. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Happy to happy to come and kind of share some of the work that we're doing outside of the region and also within the region and just let folks know what Good for Michigan's been up to. So, 
thanks for listening and thanks for having me on, Manuel. That's it for our announcements. Now on to the interview. All righty. I have here with me from CalSec Inc., Jim Justice, Senior VP of Corporate Responsibility and Resource Management, and Ian Kennedy, Senior VP and General Counsel. Welcome to the Good for Michigan podcast. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into CalSec, can you tell me a little bit about yourselves? What do you like to do and how you came to CalSec? Sure. Love to. I'll jump in. So, uh, like you said, Jim Justice, I've been with CalSec for about uh, 25 years. We've talked a little bit. I'm a native of Michigan. I grew up in uh, Portage, Michigan, was married and lived in Escanaba for a few years where my daughter was born, went to school for Michigan Tech. I originally was in the paper industry before coming to CalSec, so that's how I had my start in career as a mechanical engineer. From the paper industry, recruited into CalSec, into the spice trade uh, 25 years ago. And I've been there ever since. It's been a great career and run for me. So spicy, spicy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> what about you, Ian? Yeah. So I grew up in Traverse City, Michigan. I uh, was born and raised there. Uh, old farming family that had been up there for years. So I would have been fifth generation Traverse City. So I grew up on a cherry farm in between uh, Traverse City and Sutton's Bay. Went to undergraduate and got a degree in biology. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So Law school seemed like a reasonable thing to do after after undergraduate, so I went to law school. I got my law degree, uh, ended up moving to Kalamazoo, because uh, that's where my wife is from. Met her in, in law school. She was in my class. Started practicing law in Kalamazoo for a number of years, starting in 2004, and was in the private practice of law until 2017. And so I've been with CalSec uh, since 2017. Can... Um... Either of you or one of you give me a, a brief overview of CalSec Inc. and some of its history. Yeah, I can give it a go and Jim can fill in. So CalSec is a 60-year-old, 60-plus-year-old now family-held company started by the Todd family. CalSec was started in 1958 by Paul Todd. So Paul got his start working with chilies and figuring out how to, how to make extracts from chilies. So Paul had some deeply held beliefs and was kind of a, a renaissance man. He was a scientist. He was a veteran. He was a legislator. He was, he was in Congress in the 60s, very involved in his community and held firm to the belief that uh, we should hold nature in awesome respect. And I think a way to think about what CalSec does is we take natural products, natural, whether it's chilies or paprika or hops, we take natural products and create the natural standardized extract that companies can use in the manufacturing of food products. Even though you probably haven't heard of CalSec before, many people haven't until they actually work there, I can almost guarantee you that you've eaten some of our product. If you've had some salsa, uh, if you've had a beer, if you've had some crackers. So it's just kind of this sleepy company that has operated for 60 years supporting the food industry. Yeah. Um, so I read that I was doing research on CalSec and I read that B Corp certification made a lot of sense for CalSec and, and it aligned well with its culture. Can you give us some insight into what the culture is like 
at CalSec and what was it like getting people on board with the decision to go after B Corp certification? You know, part of my interview process when I interviewed with the company, when new, new job candidates come through, they're asked to make a presentation to the interview team. And the topic that I was asked to present on was what is a B Corp? Oh. So that was back in 2016 was when I would have made that presentation. So we've had a lot of discussions around B Corp and Benefit Corp since I got on board in, in 2017. And one of the emerging threads of conversation is that CalSec has always operated as a B Corp. If you go back and, and look at a lot of the statements from Paul Todd and the Todd family, there's an expectation at CalSec that we consider stakeholders in making decisions, that it's not just about making a buck, that it matters how our employees are treated, how we impact our community. When I say community, it's it's the it's the communities in which, which our facilities are located, so Kalamazoo and Texas and Singapore and China and the UK and Europe. So it's that kind of media community, but then also it's the community within the business world that we operate. When you start thinking about the the spice trade and how big our supply chain is and our supplier base is, as well as our customer base, the community impact that we have there uh, as well uh, is very far reaching. So, you know, we source from 40 different countries. Some of that's out of South America, India, China. So I'll say, you know, all throughout the company's history, we've been very deliberate and very mindful in terms of our impact on our employees, our, our customers, suppliers. You look at a lot of the, the work we do on sustainability that I know Jim is gonna gonna touch on. So that's always been part of the fabric at CalSec. So the the B Corp conversation wasn't a tough one at CalSec to get our arms around because it was such a natural conversation. I will say that the journey of B Corp certification and it's been a good exercise because no matter how good we think we are and you know how ethical we've been there are areas where we need to look ourselves in the mirror and, and challenge ourselves to try different areas. And that's where there's been a lot of value to B Corp. And the other thing that it's done is for a family company, it's very easy to to transmit these closely hold values when you know the there's one president and shareholder and director and that's a family member and it's a small company. But as we've gotten larger and you know, we transitioned from family members being executives to having professional management outside non-family uh, management. B Corp has really given us a way to codify these values oh. and to yeah. communicate them to the shareholders and make sure that as the company grows, that we don't lose sight of those values and that that expectation that those still be considered the core and key aspect of the business continues. Wow. That's really interesting. Keeping those values center as you continue to grow and and change and develop and evolve. It must be kind of validating 
almost of, of like, these are the things that you've been doing this whole time. And now you're getting recognized, I guess, or it's, it's pretty nice to, to see that you guys have some sort of uh, like a certification that says that yeah. you do what you do. And I'll say it's been in part, but I'll also say it's been pretty humbling too. And again, mm -hmm. going back to how rigorous B Corp certification is, and yeah. you know, Jim is a veteran of a lot of certification programs, and he speaks about the depth of the B Corp certification and how many areas it touches within the business, whereas other, other certification programs, while they're rigorous, tend to focus on a particular area. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's driving these conversations, again, of where there's room for improvement and, and how do we not kind of rest on our laurels, but how do we continue the hard work of, of doing the right thing and, and practicing conscious capitalism? And I think a big piece of that too is just on that a little bit more, Ian, is B Corp's the first one that, at least in my opinion, covers the touch points of all of our major stakeholders. Hmm. Um, just put it in another way. So whether you're one of the board members, you're one of the family members, you're the officer of the business or employees, it's, there's there's something in there for everyone that it's yeah. touching on. Emmanuel, you talked about being validating. I think I think that's true. Um, but I also think one, one of the challenges we've had internally is to make sure that, especially B Corp, because of what it covers, remains as an internal benchmark for our business and not necessarily a, uh, a marketing tool. And, and because of its nature, because of the nature of the, the process, the verification process through the B impact assessment, et cetera. And I think how it's touching some key points from our stakeholders, it's doing that for us. And because of that, it's validating. And I'll add too that we are a family run business, which Ian has mentioned. And our family is still, very, the Todd family is still very engaged in the purpose of the business and decision-making of the business. And, um, you know, three, four years ago was the first time that we developed our public corporate social responsibility report. Cool. So it's the first time that um, we tried to articulate who we are uh, to a global community that wouldn't necessarily know us because they've shown up in our driveway to meet us. And, and part of that process, uh, which some of the folks that are listening would probably be aware too, is that the stakeholder engagement of really identifying what's important to the stakeholders to develop what's material and corporate social responsibility. So as part of that process, three, four years ago, we, we pulled the family members together and they, they told us what they felt was really material to how the business would operate in the future, what's really important to them. And uh, with B Corp, we're able to pull that back forward and those things really mesh together nicely for these things are really important to us. And now we have a mechanism too of how we can share that with them in a standardized format. Um, to me, it's been a phenomenal process and an evolution over the last five years is how do, how do we share who we are internally and externally and have a standardized way to do that and B Corp's done that for us, so. That's great. So when you're, when you're B Corp, uh, you're, your company, along with its impact scores, are listed on the B Corp website. And seeing your scores, you have a pretty nice balance from where your points are coming from. Some companies get the majority of their points from the environmental section. 
Others get it from their social section, but CalSec has a pretty well-rounded score, meaning like, yeah, you got points in the environmental part, but it's not just environmental parts. There, you have a pretty significant achievements on the social side of sustainability. What can you, can you guys expand on what, what CalSec does to have this impact and how it practices sustainability? On that a little bit, I'll try to try to organize my my thoughts with the impact groups. And I'll, I'll say on the on the governance front, I, I think one of the big things is uh, on the governance front, it's stayed as a, a people centric thought process. And um, over the last um, 10, 15 years, Ian talked about uh, George Todd, our uh, recently retired CEO, second generation Todd family. Um, put a considerable effort into structuring the business to be private sustainable for the next hundred years, um, which our mantra is that starts anew every day, but it's what can we put in place to make sure that this company stays, Kelsec stays as a private sustainable business. I appreciate that. that yeah. Well, we really resonated within our company as well. You know, that that's, it's about our, maybe our kids can be here. Our grandkids will know about this place because it stayed here and it stayed privately held for that long. Um, But a big piece of that is governance structure. So it's really the focus that was put into making sure there's a diverse board that's put in place that includes external people to the business as opposed to just all internal resources or family. And it's about transparency. Um, A big piece about transparency in how we're doing as a business throughout the whole company. So Things like we share our financials with every employee of the company so that everybody understands what's happening within the business and how people contribute. Uh, as far as how we take care of workers, that's that's a, I, th- I think you could find anybody within our, within our company that knows that that's really important throughout the business. Open door policies for communications and that it's, it's the people that are making our product is who makes us successful. We're all a big. We're all a team, and everybody's roles are important. But how we take care of our workers, a safe workplace, making sure that our folks are well compensated, uh, paid well above living wage, in all of our areas where we do business was a big piece. Our compensation and benefits package are at least competitive, if not better, than what's out there in the marketplace. The fact that we have uh, we've added on-site childcare is an easy way to say it, but it's actually an early early learning center and educational site near on site for uh, newborns to five-year-olds so that working mothers and working families can have their kids on site here in Kalamazoo. That's, that's a big one. Kids are big. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a lot. I was yeah. one. We all were one. <laughs> we all were kids. We were all handfuls. Um, as far as the community aspects, it's the fact that we're locally owned. I mean, our the people that own our business are are here in the neighborhood. We pay, we offer time for people for volunteering in the community. So they get some period of time off to do some volunteering, which hopefully post COVID, we can do a little bit more of that even. Yeah. We get out in the community. We encourage people to engage in the community to, to contribute where they can. So several of the po- folks in our organization sit on boards in the community to help things like the YMCA, the um, Salvation Army, the Kalamazoo Nature Center as, as a few examples. Um, where we can offer our talents and services to help other organizations in the area. And as far as the environment, that's a, uh, uh, we, we are a manufacturing process. So that is a big one for us. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that, 
that score was a little validating as far as how we compare with other food industry yeah. folks. But it's, it's all about how we take care of the planet there, which often weaves right with employee safety. So yeah. the things that we do to make sure that they're contained and they stay in the right places and the right tanks and the right processes. We've met our three-year goal for uh, air emissions reduction goal, which we accomplished this year. And um, we're working on our, our baseline assessment right now, our carbon baseline. We've invested with some external consultants to help us with that process to, so we can wow. set our carbon goals here in the future. So I want to talk about resiliency. Um, how have your values and mission helped you remain resilient during this past year of 2020 or, or this year? What was your company's response and how, how, was, how did it remain resilient during those times? I'll just I'll kick off here and I'm sure Ian had a lot to join, to join in here as well. So I think as, as far as our company values and how that impacted this, you know, honesty, integrity, fairness, this year, especially with COVID, I was personally very um, proud of our organization's response and the people first aspects. I mean, we decisions were made up front and early uh, that we're putting people first and that business is going to come second. We'll figure that out. But things like when the concern came around that COVID was happening, there was a uh, an early on decision to shut down travel and just bring everybody home. And then throughout the whole pandemic, we've kept a, a high-level leadership team that has met for a while. It was every day and then three days, two days, or whatever it takes, but just focused on how can we keep people safe and how can we react to the changing conditions. I'm very proud of our organization for the way that we were able to react. And I think, too, I mean, one, one part of our value statement is about our ability to be creative and innovate. You know, and I think when it was written originally, it was about, you know, how we create products and how we meet the needs of our customers and how we become more efficient in what we do. Um, but it really played out through COVID because all the rules changed, yeah. you know, so you get, you get a different rule and how do you, how do you keep moving? How do you, being in the food chain, we had a responsibility to keep the food chain supply, supply going. Um, yeah. Some of that was in written form from our customers saying, Hey, we need more. You know, we get, we got to stock the shelves. We need more from you. You got to produce more. You got to do more. Um, and some of it's what, what our typical business line is, but figuring out how to adapt there and adapt quickly had a lot to do with how our company was structured to innovate and adapt, you know, for other reasons. So um, those, those are two and, and really the long game played in here really strongly. Yeah. So um, there, there was never any discussions or, or focus on today. It's always about the long game. So what's yeah. the right way to navigate this um, so that we're, we feel good about what happens next year, the year after. And, and uh, your, your comment, Emmanuel, about uh, being a good ancestor. Mm. Um, I, I heard some of it. I heard similar statements from within our leadership team saying in 10 years, how is, how, how will the descendants of the people that are here today look back in our decisions today dealing with COVID? Yeah. And we want to make sure that we're proud of what, that we, we do the best we can and, and yeah. people are proud of the decisions that are made for all the people that are at play here. So I don't have, I don't have much to add to that. Um, I'll let go Jim. I'm really proud of the way that the company uh, navigated this. I think everything has been done with respect to supporting employees, making sure they have a, a safe work environment, you know, managing it so that, you know, our employees continue to, to, to have, 
their paycheck to rely on and, and that continues uninterrupted. So that's what's felt really good to build off what Jim says. I, I do think, you know, a lot of the values that, that have gone into the company that are really the foundations uh, in which the company has been built has really served us well uh, during COVID in terms of our focus on employees doing the right thing. Um, but I know I'll be, I'll be glad when this is over. And I, I, I think we'll all be kind of proud when we're done. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's, it's, it's been part of uh, the legacy of our ancestors as to why we've, why we've weathered this as well as we have. Yeah. It's nice that it's nice that you can, you know, lean into a bit of your, your values to help you get through the a pandemic and makes it a little easier to navigate the craziness of everything. And you have this whole culture already set in place and these systems set in place that you can just kind of tap into to adapt and remain resilient. It, it, it is. And, and like you said, Emmanuel, it's, it's the, the values that are in place for decision-making that rose to the top. Yeah. You know, um, at every level in the business, whether it was support from board members, it was the CEO, whether it was the operators, whether it's the technicians or the people that are plowing the drives or whatever's going on, everybody rose to the occasion. Yeah. And uh, and actually, on a, you look for silver linings in here like this, right? For Yeah, of course. Uh, the collaboration and the ability of our team to, to rise to the occasion and work through so many different things on a personal level, you know, with COVID particularly is it's a really personal thing too, as far as yeah. you know, what's, what's your risk tolerance and where, where, what's really important to you yeah. when it comes to the world that you live in outside of work and who you come in contact with. So just everybody being very forthright, transparent and communicating those pieces uh, to each other so we could make good decisions for everyone. I think um, just said a lot about the people of our organization all yeah. the way through. Yeah, there's a, there's a saying that I'm fond of, and it's you know traditions and values are a form of democracy that allows the dead to join the living and voting on how things should be handled. The whole concept of of stakeholder capitalism, you know, is making sure that in making these decisions that you are taking a broad view. You know, how how does this decision impact the community? How does this decision impact the workforce? So you know, the safety measures we have and making sure that we have enough PPE, but then when we are confident that we have enough PPE, donating some of that to first responders and hospitals in the communities. I mean, those are all, you know, decisions that have been made where we're rooting ourselves in making sure as we're going through these, we're considering the community, our employees, uh, and, and not just the benefit of a, a small group of people. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting case study and a live example. You know, I think our values and our traditions and, and those as we're continuing to, to put forward and cement with B Corp have, yeah. have served us pretty well. Yeah. So we know that sustainability is a journey and CalSec has already gone so far. So what's next? It's a great question. One piece for us that... Um, circle back and I want to make sure Ian can talk about a little bit is just the, our, our drive and desire to see Michigan become a benefit corporation state and what that looks like. And we talked a little bit about 2020 as well. And um, you can't talk about 2020 without uh, what happened in our nation related to 
understanding diversity, equity, inclusion, and the Black experience in our country and BIPOC communities, the influence that we have as a business and what we need to be focused on. Yeah. Um, so I think for our business, um, and I, I know this, that we're, we are focusing on what's our true impact and where can we influence our, our personal impact and for climate change, greenhouse gas emissions, what, it, what impact and what, what can we change to make a difference when it comes to diversity in the workplace or impact in our community where yeah. it impacts different uh, populations so that uh, no matter whether it's in-house or who we influence and where we do business, we're including everyone in the discussion and in the rewards of our business. And then a big piece for us, which I'm sure Ian will talk about more is on um, how can we solidify what we're doing with B Corp into our company, the way that we operate in the future? Yeah, in terms of the legislation, yeah, we're, we're, we're currently working locally with other businesses and with legislators. You know, there's a value to this certification process. That's you know, a way of, of kind of creating some accountability around our, our intrinsic values and, and doing what's right. You know, there's this separate benefit um, of, of actually becoming a, a benefit corporation. What we're looking at as a 60-year-old uh, privately held company that isn't necessarily interested in being you know, having a stake bought out by a PE firm, you know, what, what we're looking at it as is a way to change our articles of incorporation so that when our directors of our, of our company, when they're making decisions, that the expectation is, is that they take into consideration other stakeholders in, in making those decisions. So, and certainly around Michigan, whether it's the UP or whether it's the east side of the state or the west side of the state, we see what can happen as a result of corporations disinvesting from communities where if the directors were, were truly focused on you know, how, how does this impact the communities where my corporation is, you know, some of the, some of the cities in Michigan where they're facing a lot of challenges, the, the, the situation would be a lot different if, if that kind of mindset uh, had really taken hold. So we're working with legislators right now to, to work on reintroducing the four bills that were previously considered by the Michigan legislature. We're working uh, closely with Sean McCann locally in Kalamazoo, and he's looking for other co-sponsors uh, of the bill. And then we're, we're looking to get the message out there as to, you know, this is something that I think has particular value, both, you know, drawing investment, and that's wonderful, but also giving companies the legal structure by which they can make decisions that have a positive impact on the community. And the legislation is, it doesn't mean that every, you know, every company has to become a B Corp. And, you know, certainly if you're a believer in bare knuckle Gordon Gecko type capitalism, then by all means structure your company that way. But certainly for companies that, that, that want to explore a different path and want to go a different route, you know, it's something that I think should be available for, for Michigan companies. Yeah, it's about time. All righty, well, or do you have any last words? Well, I was just going to say, Matt, you asked, you know, what's next? And I think, you know, I threw out some big things that we have in our radar. Yeah. But I think really for us, 
uh, being a, a newbie in B Corp, Gosh. right now it's about engagement. Yeah. It's about um, how we can have a stronger engagement in, in our internal CalSec community. We have a lot of passion within our, because of the type of business we are, we attract a lot of people that sustainability and social responsibility are passions. And it's to really align those passions with the, what we're measuring and where we want to focus and set goals internally. So that's going to be a big part. And the B Corp community, you know, we're starting to reach out. Like the meeting we were on the other day for the Good for Michigan, we've been able to connect now with a few other B Corps in there to see if we can do business together. Nice. And just that piece to network and and um, to leverage this new place where we're we've set the bar, <laughs> you know, where we want to play. So yeah. I think that's, that's really for us next is it's on the engagement level. That's great. That's yeah. great. And uh, Emmanuel, thanks, you, thanks for the work that you're doing for getting the message out there and supporting, you know, Michigan businesses that are trying to explore this path. When we were introducing ourselves, you know, I heard you're, you're from the east side of the state and actually, you know, one of the, one of the famous cases that established the doctrine of shareholder wealth maximization is actually a Michigan case involving Henry Ford. Oh. And, the, and the story goes is, is Henry Ford wanted to pay his workers a higher wage and make investments in Ford. And he was making quite a bit of money at the time. And some of the shareholders challenged him on that, hmm. uh, arguing that they, they should be the primary beneficiary of the corporate profits that were being earned at the time. And yeah. Henry Ford ended up losing the case and those shareholders took their money and started Dodge. So um, oh. that was the Dodge brothers that until they got their seed money was arguing that Henry oh. Ford shouldn't give it to his workers. That's so um, interesting. So we've got a long history in Michigan of great innovation, great companies, a lot of great science and technology and innovation has come out of this state. But we also have a history where there's been capitalism that hasn't taken into account the stakeholders. And I'm a, I'm a believer in the free market. I'm a, I'm a believer in capitalism, but I also believe that we can't check our ethics at the door, that character and everything you do is kind of an archway. If you take out one brick in your life, the archway kind of starts to crumble a little bit. So, so I, I do think, you know, there are these, these companies and Bell's is a good example. Calsec is a good example where you know, we're providing employment and an opportunity for a lot of different people in different paths, whether it's folks who are in the union uh, working in the plant or, you know, PhD scientists that's coming over from Europe or, or China and doing research. And that's part of what makes our communities great. So yeah. thank you for the work that you're doing, supporting that effort uh, and getting that message out in Michigan, because it's it's an important one. We need to learn from the past and, and, and yeah. improve for the future. So as I'm editing this, I realize that I did not record an outro. So I'm sorry for the sound quality. So here it is. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you for taking the time. I hope you're doing well, and I hope this next month goes well for you. And if you're not listening, then that's okay, too. I also hope you're doing well. Remember to use your business as a force for good, and also to be a good ancestor. Alrighty. Talk to you next month.